0: Mirror mine,
1: mirror mine. You twist and turn my mind until I don't
0: know who I am Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I've been out the game for four days. It feels like four months, but I'm happy to be joined by a man like Matt Candela looking extremely four k, if I may say so.
1: Why, thank you. Yeah, new webcam. We're professionalizing all the time. Uh, it does it's up there, in the aren't.
0: levels every week like an arteta training session
1: yeah you remember the old days of the aop why so people complaining about the sound cameras the content, jumping around
0: having to delete episodes because they were so bad those were the bad old days those were the yeah. bad old days but we're back
1: um, not anymore we are a modern media company
0: we are matt we are um Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit today. I'm gonna say, listen, if you like this, if you like listening to this podcast, and you want more content and you want ad free content, go to Patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion, and it's uh, five dollars a month, and you get a, a whole bunch of bonus content. You get early bird content, and everything is advert free. Additionally, if you like giving out five star reviews, and you're like, oh, I've given out so many in 2024, where should I put my next five star review? Give us a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, whichever app you use. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a little subscribe and then you're always notified when we go live um, throughout the season. A little bit of pre-selling.
1: Do it early. Oh, I like that. Podcast, I like that. Do it early. You've been reading a few best practice manuals, haven't you?
0: I've been on VaynerMedia. I've been like, what would Gary do? What would Gary do? He'd front load the requests. And also, if there are any, um, you know, ag ones and you're like oh, i'd like a bit of ag one in my life if you sign up to that you make life better for us i'm 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 not i would never push you into our sponsors even though both of us use that sponsor but um if you heard that advert at the start of the show just know that signing up uh to ag one helps us out a lot
1: and your uh and your gut it does help
0: your gut it does help your gut. listen when when a when a sponsor comes to town that you use that is Absolutely world class, and that's where we want to be for the rest of the season. So hopefully you can join us in that. But Matt, we're not just here to talk about sponsored content, five star reviews, and subscribing on YouTube. No, we're here to talk about Arsenal. And my word, has a lot of uh, have a lot of big stories been dropping over the last uh, over the last twenty four hours? Over the last week, actually, I haven't had a chance to weigh in on Klopp. Haven't had a chance to weigh in on Javi leaving Barcelona. And have not had a chance to talk about the latest news about Mikel Arteta exiting Arsenal, saying his goodbyes, going off uh, to to Catalonia to to take over uh, third place
1: Barcelona. So much news, managerial merry-go-round right now. You would have expected on January the twenty-eighth, uh, all the new, all the noise to be about potential new player signings. Instead, FFP. Uh, profit and sustainability rules whatever you want to call it have basically completely nullified the transfer market for players and all the noise has instead switched to the people in the dugout the coaches and they're the ones making all the noise at the moment so it's been an interesting turn of events and one that we probably couldn't have forecast at the beginning of the window when we were probably debating who we were going to get in instead it has been deathly quiet
0: no one's making moves. I mean that, that I can I can think of a few. Spurs made a signing, but when a transfer market doesn't involve Chelsea, you know things are serious.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everyone is. Everyone's running scared, right? It's it goes back to that point. I think previously it was like, oh, well, we can make some excuses, we can cook the books a bit, but now it is very much, um, you know, if we're if we're a penny over the amount, punishments are coming our way. And so, yeah, it's it's completely cooked the market, which I think um, may well be to our benefit. Do you prefer it that way? Some people are like, you should just let
0: rich people spend whatever they want. Do you like it the way it's going now where there's at least a semblance of fairness or, you know, rules to play within? Or do you, do you think clubs should just be able to go absolutely wild and do what the hell they want?
1: Well, I think it's good for Arsenal, and I've got our interests at heart. But one of the questions that I posed when I did the interview on Financial Fair Play was, are we levelling the playing field or are we protecting uh, the big clubs and ensuring their stature in the game? And I think that um, we're probably doing the latter more than the former because if you're Arsenal or city or liverpool or chelsea and you have big gates and you've got big sponsors then you're at a significant advantage and so the idea of a benefactor coming into a smaller club and being able to uh, transform them it's increasingly difficult to do that or it's not it's still possible but it's now a decade-long approach where you've got to literally build build it sustainably so i think it's good for us do i think those types of stories where Jack Walker and Blackburn, those types of stories. I mean, we're talking about a long time ago. I thought there was something quite nice about the opportunity for a a team in the lower divisions to be able to sort of transform themselves and and get in there. Um, You know, I think Wrexham is an interesting conversation and model uh, because obviously, I mean, they're essentially financially doping the system, but in a slightly smarter way um, with media. Is PSR
0: coming for Wrexham?
1: I mean... (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Is that the hot take? That's not my hot take, but it's like we like those types of stories. But I mean, the equivalent of that in the Premier League is Newcastle. And we don't like that story. So which ones do we like? Which ones do we we not like? I think It still blows
0: my mind, Matt, that Newcastle could not afford Calvin Phillips' loan fee and West Ham could. That's that's the sign of a, a healthy system, in my opinion. But also, Calvin Phillips' loan fee... For five
1: months is six million. Do you want to know my hot take on that? Yeah. My hot take, forget the loan fee. My, my hot take is that Manchester City really wanted Calvin Phillips to go to West Ham because West Ham have got home games, uh, have got big games against uh, all their rivals in the second half of the season.
0: Oh, I like that. that I, I read a story, I think it's Sam Lee. From the Athletic, he wrote quite extensively about the Calvin Phillips transfer. And it was, it's, it's really interesting on two fronts. Number one, M- Manchester City can sign a player for 43 million pounds, put them on a big salary and not play them and then exit them for a 6 million pound loan fee. The second part was um, basically he got into training and very early on Pep was like, this guy isn't at the level. He's never going to be at the level. And uh, it it plotted through the year. It was like he, he wasn't he wasn't professional enough, didn't show up early, didn't leave late, and apparently most of the Manchester City players do that. Turn up to training uh, like pre season training a little bit overweight, and that didn't reflect well on him. And he just didn't treat his body the same way that some of the superstars do. And it's I I, I find it interesting because you, I know that Pep Guardiola is the next level, but Mikel Arteta sometimes gets criticism because he's punishing Smith Rowe for going to Nando's too often and people see it as an extreme view, but it's like if Manchester city is the peak, then we have to at least match it. Don't we? So, um, and the other thing that I found interesting about the story, Calvin Phillips had played under Bielsa. He'd got Leeds promoted, had a brilliant first season. He was an England international. He played in a international cup final and he's not good enough for Manchester City four appearances I think he made in in his first season yeah Arsenal fans are banging the table because they want to see more more 18 year olds in the starting 11 and it's 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 painful that the haylenders coming through are going to become few and far between but the reality of the level that we're now playing at is it's just so difficult to break in uh, as a teenager and I know I know Manchester City have a bit of a production line of teenagers But they're going out and they're picking up the best teenagers in the world. uh, They're coaching them to pep levels. And then they're picking off the best ones and selling the rest for 20, 30 million. They're light years ahead of everyone else. Apart from Arsene Wenger, who did the exact same thing with, uh, you know, Generation Cesc, Denilson, all of those players. But Arsenal didn't continue that. Didn't continue over-investing in in young players. And now City are running away with it. Um, You got any comments on that before we get into the meat?
1: Yeah, I think you can get chances at big clubs. I think it's always been over egged the number of players who can come through and are good enough for the first team of Premier League teams at the top level. You know, I think, you know, arguably the best academy, I don't think it's really in debate, the best academy of the last 15 years has been Chelsea. It's been the players coming out of Cobham. Now, have they done enough? Have they picked the right ones to keep, to let go, to manage, to nurture? But they've made a lot of money in the process. But not many of them have actually made it. I think if you get a first-teamer, regular first, if you get a first eleven player every five years, the system's working. I think that's the type that's of numbers you, yeah. you need to be looking at, not more than that. And I think you look at you look at those teams. I think Liverpool sort of do it. They haven't really got many first eleven players that have come through, but they've got a few who have been decent squad players. So I think the idea of building a team moulded at the academy is, is very rare. Um, and I think we probably need to lower our KPIs on what success looks like. And I think over the next few years, we're obviously talking about renneri Miles Skelly, um, the right-back. Um, Royal. R- rule Waters, uh, rule. Walters. Uh, we're talking about Cozy Lino Ubre, Sosa, maybe. The, all of those players. If one of them becomes a first-11 player... We've overachieved. I really do believe it.
0: I think even if one of them becomes a squad player, if we have like a, 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 you know, what Ainsley could have been, what he was in that sort of FA Cup year.
1: But also, it's like, just look at the, let's just look at some dollar amounts. What does it take to build a new training ground and run the facilities? You know, 150 million, you know, just one one year's intake. If you could generate 35 million for, 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 a few of those players, you know, it takes two, three years of that to break even on the whole cost of the training and, and So you've got to look at it a bit like that. And I think people need to get real.
0: Yeah, I think um, I might have this. No, I don't. Ha- I have this absolutely right. I think Manchester City have the best over the last five years because they've generated £260 million in revenue from youth prospects. I mean, I know we spoke about it on a podcast the other week, but Arsenal were interested in Frimpong by Leverkusen. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a strange link. And then you see Frimpong goes from Manchester City to Celtic for 400,000. I think he went from Celtic to Leverkusen for 4 million. Now there's talk that he's worth 40 million if he's coming back to Arsenal, but he started at Manchester City. I mean, their their production line is insane because it creates top-level players. And I, I guess just on the Chelsea point, Chelsea, Chelsea had a starting eleven around you know 2010 to 2014 that was so good that they been Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, and Lukaku. Though that was the level that they were at during that time period. And I'm not, I'm not saying Arsenal are quite there yet, but we certainly have a, a starting eleven that is difficult to to get into. I th- I feel like Weneri is probably the the one superstar in waiting uh, that might not go out on loan. But if Saliba has to go out on three loans, it's hard to imagine the Warneri's not going to, you know, see some time at other clubs.
1: All right. Well, I've just found the 50 clubs that have generated the most income from selling their academy graduates. Yep. Top English club. Ever. Chelsea. Ever. Ever. Chelsea. Number one, Benfica number two, Real Madrid, number three, AS Monaco, number four, Ajax, number five, Leon, six, Leverkusen, seven, Atalanta, eight, Chelsea. And if you think about Chelsea... That's in it, correct. Del- What's the number? So this was up to t- 2022. But right. if you think about in the last year, which is even crazier, in the last year, they've sold Mason Mount... <laughs> <laughs> Loftus cheek, Billy Gilmore, Tammy Abraham. Mason before, Mount Tomori. looks like a good sale now, doesn't he? Lewis Hall, potentially he'll add another 28 million next summer. So it's just And Conor Gallagher, they want 80 mil for him. Well, they'll get 40. Which would be better. silly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's, that's been the most prolific. That's been the best. So, um, you know, we don't often talk about Chelsea and youth. Um, as being the best team with them because of some pretty high profile misses and a lack of trust in the process. But the reality is maybe they were ahead of the time as well, because now we're giving City flowers for just using their academy as a revenue generation machine and just to get one or two players in. And that's the model of success. Well, Chelsea have been the best at that.
0: But Arsene Wenger had the had the IP. He had the tools. He, he yeah, but you know, what? It.
1: you know what he didn't do? He didn't sell well because he had so much belief in those young players that he didn't realize that some of them weren't good enough and almost had his, you know, I think the the Oxlade-Chamberlain was such a key key one because we didn't want to sell Oxlade-Chamberlain, but he wanted to go. And then you look back and you go, that was one of the best bits of selling we've ever done. That Oxlade-Chamberlain, Iwobi, I feel like Iwobi only got sold because we needed to buy... Yang, I think it was. Or, or It was around that time. But it's like, we we didn't think that they weren't not good enough. We just sort of, were sort of our hand was forced and it turned out to be brilliant business for us in both cases.
0: But even just selling, you know, like Iwobi was a freak. But just selling more players for like 15, 20 million. I feel like Manchester City are, are doing that on the regular right now. It's, it's quite interesting though, the, the economics of football or just like the, what the factory is. It's like those clubs like the Leipzigs the Dortmunds they create well you know that they create wealth by coaching people through their system you know like Haaland ends up at um, uh, Salzburg uh, Sabozlai also ends up there and then they sell them for 60 70 80 million and then on the other side of it they're like house flippers they're picking off the kids at the top clubs that can't make it for peanuts and 10x in them. It's like the multi, you know, every a lot of people talking about sort of the multi club strategy. The best strategy for the big clubs is I want a club in Germany, I want a club in Spain, I want a club in Italy, and the kids that don't make it can go through there. So we are creating our own wealth, like they need place, you know. And again, Arsen Wenger ahead of the time, do you remember Ghent? Yeah, Ghent back in the day. Um, and we had that he partnership, was a visionary. That he partnership? Was... but I think what that's... happened to that?
1: Yeah, just oh, oh, it was a... a Aboué uh, was there, Beveren. Sorry, yeah. Um, but I think it, i do two things that sort of sprung to mind. The first one is Brentford and teams like Brentford and Brighton are going to become the new Leipzig and Dortmund, you know, because they are they're in the Premier League, you're in the shop window to the biggest league. Every club knows that players who have already got some Premier Premier League experience become more valuable. So yeah. they're the best teams to go to if you're a hot prospect, because you can get minutes, you can get in the shop window, and the people with the most money and the most appetite are going to buy, are, are going to see you and going to play you. And I think you're seeing more and more players turning down moves to bigger clubs to get minutes. And I think the prime example when, when you're smartly advised is like the Kudas, you know, go there, play every week, get in the window. He'll be gone out of West Ham for 70, 80 million in a year or two years be great for west ham it'll be great for the player and it'll be great for whoever buys him because they've had a ton of player experience but my second point is there's a premium on potential and the reality is almost something like the reality is once you know a bit more about the player the price comes down and i wonder whether the club should be looking at those should be looking at that trend and going imagine if we sold charlie patino just before trying to see if he's any good and putting him out on loan and playing him at Forest. Do you remember he played that Forest game? It was pretty awful. Yeah. But like, he was so hyped. Imagine then, at that moment, if you got an inquiry from someone abroad or someone in the Premier League, at that moment, I think you can get 20 million from him. Now you know more. He's developed as a player since then. But you know more about him. And now you don't want to pay 20 million anymore. So, you know, it's interesting to think. Nani is another example. It's like... Like, once you signed him up on a contract, is that an opportunity to make 25 million on potential somewhere? You know, you've got to look at it slightly differently.
0: It's also an interesting point about some of the sort of mid tier clubs in the Premier League becoming developmental hotbeds. And maybe why Crystal Palace have got Graham Potter in the stands. If Graham Potter gets it right and recreates uh, a Brighton like system at Palace, They're bringing in all of they're very good at talent spotting, but if you put the Graham Potter IP into the brains of those players, they become more valuable because then they can slot into Arsenal, they can slot into Manchester City. Steve Parrish is probably looking at Graham Potter and going, two of the clubs that spend the most in the league, Arsenal and Manchester City. I would love to be their supply line moving forward. And you've got uh, David Moyes has got Paqueta, you know getting £90 million bids in. like David Moyes is doing a, a really good job of those players, but I wonder whether the next move for West Ham is, again, is there a developmental co Can I find the next Deserbi? Can we create a style of football that matches the top clubs in the world so we know if we bring in someone for 20, we can sell them for 60? Learn more at marines.com. Very interesting. We're, we're 19 minutes in, Matt, and we're not even as supposed the takes. Hottest of takes. Hottest of take. The AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Macandela, you've had enough time to think about it. Where are you taking this week's
1: hottest of takes? Make it spicy. I don't think you can go anywhere other than the news about Mikel Arteta and Barcelona. Um, a lot of noise today. Obviously, Javi out in the summer they're going to be looking for a replacement huge club um but i personally think I, I don't think it's an impossible thing to happen i really don't but i think it's one that Mikel arteta needs to examine um and for me my hottest of takes is that building a dynasty is a multi-year process and it's really really hard in this day and age to find a team that can support that and the biggest lesson if anyone if Arteta is tempted to potentially go to Barcelona in the summer, the person he should look at the most for me is Pochettino. Because Pochettino did a tremendous job at Spurs, but he didn't win anything. And he got the offer and he jumped to PSG and it didn't work out. And because of that, because of the way that turned out, he's, he's a decent manager, but he's not a great one. He's not in the same bracket as a Pep, a Klopp, a Wenger, and Mourinho and Ancelotti, even a Conte, he's tier two. And I don't think Arteta wants to be tier two. And so the most important thing for Arteta is to get some silverware under his belt. And I'm not talking about League Cups, I'm not talking about FA Cups, I'm talking about Premier Leagues, usurping Manchester City, I'm talking about Champions Leagues. And for the past three years, we've been talking and saying, the window is going to come. Klopp and Pep will not be around forever it's just going to be a sliding doors moment and we've got to be ready for when that happens and then lo and behold it happens you know clopped out um, pep won't be around forever the window's closer and the idea of just literally having that sliding doors moment and then not grabbing it with both hands seizing it and getting the silverware and proving the process i think that would be insane to go and do that And go into a cauldron where you can win La Liga and be out the next day. Because then once that happens, you're a manager who goes to Chelsea in 13th. You're a manager who goes Tottenham are talking to. You're a manager who Ajax are talking to. You're tier two. So um, this is the time. He has to realise that. Next year is the one. It can come a year early. if it comes a year earlier then great but we've got two bites of a cherry we've got premier league and we've got the champions league and with a young exciting team he'd be absolutely mad to go and it's really, really really my hottest of takes is it's time for Mikel arteta to make it happen at arsenal
0: love that take i love that take i mean we we might as well like my my hot take let's there's only one thing to talk about we're just going to move into Mikel arteta i'm not having a hot take out here today matt um, let's just talk about Mikel Arteta to Barcelona. I said when um Mikel Arteta joined the at some point Barcelona, PSG, and Manchester City will be in for Mikel Arteta four years ago, and the people laughed. Well, immediately a day after the announcement of um Javi leaving Barcelona, uh, he's being linked. The Spanish papers going all in, even going as far to say that he's told his staff. He's saying his goodbyes already. I mean, it is absolutely insane. The thing, though, the thing that I'm enjoying the most about it, Matt, is you remember back when they were bullying Arsenal for our players? Cesc Fabregas, Barcelona DNA. They took Overmars off us. They took Emmanuel Petit. I was gutted. They took Alex Gleb. They even took Alex song off us, uh, which I wasn't too sad about. But the, the thing with the, the link is there's no power. Barcelona don't have the same power that they used to. Remember back in the day, richest club, best player, best facilities, best stadium, best product. La Liga was the best product in the world. And Right now, they spent the entirety of last summer pulling financial levers to get players over the line. They sold off their NFT rights to sign Rafinha, but they don't have the finance. I think Arteta will have seen the whole Frankie De Jong mess, um, and the key thing for me though, Matt, is Javi is a is a legend, one of their greatest players ever, if not the greatest player ever outside of Messi. You know, because he was he's a homegrown guy. Messi's obviously the king, but one of the one of the fans' favourites, and he wins La Liga. He's in third place right now, very much in contention. For the league, and he's quitting because he said this takes a toll on your mental health. One of their greats says and, and Mikael Arteta is nowhere near that in the eyes of the Spanish fans. I just don't see what they're offering. They don't have money. Um, La Liga is not the draw that it once was. And like you say, Arteta spent four years going through hell to get Arsenal to the cusp of greatness. I think last season he took the youngest team in the Premier League to second. This season, we're in kind of like, there's there's three very young teams. It's like Chelsea, Burnley and Arsenal. We're competing in the Champions League. We're still competing for the league. Statistically, s- football teams peak between 26 and 31. That's why sort of Liverpool are slinking out the back door. Manchester City are still 27, 28, 29 years old. But Arsenal don't even peak for the next two years. As long as he gets backing, as long as he's paid like one of the top managers in the Premier League, now Klopp's going, I don't see why he'd go anywhere else. What do you think Barcelona have to offer him apart from nostalgia?
1: I still think they're a massive club. They're a bigger club than Arsenal. I mean, I, I, I just think they are not, they can't, maybe can't compete financially at the moment, but there is a certain allure to them from the, over the years. And it's a chance his hometown club. And, you know, he didn't make it as a player there. And so the idea of going back and running the club that, he was deemed surplus to requirements for not good enough. I don't think you can underestimate that. Um, but I think in the same way that you were, he would advise players to manage their careers. I, I see him managing Barcelona in the future. 100%. But yeah. go there with, as a champions league winner, go there as a premier league winner. Cause then you can go in there and you can stamp your authority over the club and you can go, we have a process trust the process and we're going to be back we're going to be winning premier leagues and champions leagues he can be the special one for barcelona but you can't go i'm the special one and we've got to trust me and change everything but i wasn't good enough to play for you and arsenal bottled the league and you know we're we've really improved but we haven't made it you can't go in with the right attitude you need to go into barcelona as the king in the way Ancelotti is able to go to Real Madrid and he's untouchable to an extent because of all that he's achieved. You can't criticise the man because of the track record, the legacy and the players respect him. And I don't think Arteta, he's not going to be able to just rebuild Barcelona with young players. It's not going to be allowed to go on a death spiral like we did and then hope that a young player from the academy like Smith-Rowe can save him at Christmas. So... You know, that's not just I think Artes is brilliant and I think we we've got to do everything we can to keep him, but now is not the time. The time is the next move when he's done it all at Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And he, he's got to look after his story. And I think he's got a I think he's got a great story brewing. Right. We're already competing for the Premier League. A lot of Arsenal fans were saying after we finished fifth to Spurs, they were like, That's it. That's our last chance of finishing top four. Two seasons later, we're finishing top of in our Champions League group and Arsenal fans are saying there's more chance of us winning the Champions League than the Premier League, which but it's a, But, but, it's
1: a but this is why I like the Pochettino example, because Pochettino's Spurs were challenging for the league one year and they got to the Champions League final and Pochettino's tier two. And so, you know, I don't think he, Pochettino's not... You don't mention him in the same breath as Guardiola or as Klopp, as any of those players... And so Mikel Arteta is still a level below them all until he gets his hand on the silverware and gets it over the line. And, yeah. so, and so that's just a fact. But you can all go, oh, he's generational, he's this, he's that. He hasn't done it. He hasn't but done it. He hasn't done it. But I do think that
0: he will use this news to his advantage. I think come the summer, he's got one year left on his contract. I think that now he's got a bit of hype around his name. I mean, the the reality is he's not top tier. He's not, um, he's not Klopp and he's not Pep, but he could move into that zone. He could. And a lot of big clubs want an Arteta and they're trying to get an Arteta. They are.
1: I think he would be, I think he'd be a little bit foolish to try and use this news to his advantage. And I'll tell you why. Arsenal gave him a new deal at one of his lowest moments as a gesture of confidence. And I think because of that, I think he really realised and respected the club for doing that and backing him when it was easy not to. And so I believe that he would be unwise to play games and the nature of the relationship, if he wants to get the best out of the relationship with the Cronkies and all of that, is to basically say straight away, I'm not interested in going to Barcelona, but just make sure we get this new deal done and dusted as quickly as possible and come out with it as quickly as possible
0: here's how i think he'll use this news to his advantage i think firstly the most important thing to him is not it's not going to be money he's he's already rich he doesn't need to worry about energy prices going up probably lives in a lovely north london home i think the most important thing for him is winning a major trophy because winning a major trophy crystallizes that the process was worthwhile. I think the most important things for him are, number one, back him in the transfer market. And he's been backed since he signed that new deal. Um, Josh Kroenke has been in the mixer. Arsenal have spent right up to the max. Number two, the the thing that Arsene Wenger didn't get during the Project Youth movement was when his kids turned into men, they didn't get the men's contracts. And I think he will want assurance that as these players develop, they are paid on a level that they should be so he doesn't lose them to the Madrids and the Manchester Cities. And then the third one, he is going to want to be paid. I don't think he can be commanding 15, 20 million like a, a Klopp or a Pep, but I think he needs to be paid to a level where a PSG, a Manchester City or a Barcelona can't tempt him. Because, uh, uh, you know, just imagine that Manchester City is going to be the same for the next five years. Manchester City can pay you whatever you want and they can offer you massive transfer budgets. Barcelona maybe can't, but I, I do think we've got to protect ourselves against being, you know, the the difference between ten and twenty million is quite a lot. So yeah, but, I'll give him uh, a deal uh, that merits what he's what he's going to
1: do. I've got a question for you because we talk about backing in the transfer window, right? Yeah, but do you think that's still a relevant question? Because I feel like the top clubs have moved beyond that now. It's not about being backed in the transfer window. It's everyone's right up to the line on FPP. And so it's not like, oh, I need an extra 50 million or I need them coach. It's like, it's almost a given that if you're in the premier league, you are up to what you can spend. And it's just about how you can spend it and making sure the club is well run enough to be able to generate the right amount of funds. But it, the idea of is you can't, the gone of the days where, you know, you can go, oh here's an extra 50. Did you go and buy an extra midfielder? Cause I back you
0: based on that podcast that you did with uh, Stefan, part of the pushing up to the limit is owners chucking in a bit of their own cash, right? So it's like, are you are you going to back me to the max? I mean, our summer, let's be honest, this summer is based on what are you going to do with those haylenders? How well are you going to sell? How well are you yeah. going to move on players? If we can't move on players, we're stuffed at this point. But this summer, this summer, Matt, it's so crucial because if, if Edu... And Mikel and MD Garlic, if they get this summer right, we are in pole position. It's like every single signing needs to be a banger. We've got, you know, probably about three or four. And, you know, let's
1: not forget you get a new pot of money every year because you get all the new money in, right? You, You know, that's and, and, and so it's not like you're not getting, you're not getting revenue in every year. So, yeah, I think this summer's really important. I think. I actually think we'd be top of the league if Urien Timber hadn't got injured in the first game of the season and Thomas Party had been fit. If those two players were there, I think we had the squad to get it done this year. I think those two, in, I mean, everyone—that's not everyone's. Everyone's got one of those stories, you know. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 super super crucial. But there's four. I think we still need four first teamers um, or three, you know. I think, we need, yeah, we, I think need...
0: we need three or four top quality players. We need another defender. We need um, a left back. <laughs> yeah. Better backup, wide players and a striker. And then yeah. I think we're good to go. Yeah. I think we're in good shape. All right. Let's move on to another topic because we're 34 minutes in and we've only done one thing, really. Um, that was big
1: news, though, wasn't it?
0: That was that was chunky news. That was chunky news. All right. Let's uh, move on to the next topic. Um, I'd heard little rumblings, Matt, that Fabio Vieira might make a a, a return to the under twenty ones. It didn't happen. There's been a, a setback, but the player could be back in contention within the next three weeks. And listen, I, I don't want to sound like an apologist. I don't want to sound like Arsène Wenger. But could Fabio Vieira returning be like a new signing? Does this player have something to give, Matt, or do you think this is the sort of name that's going to be off the Monaco in the summer? Like, what what can Fabio Vieira do? Um, to help us in the next few weeks? What, what what does he have?
1: He can get a move to Monaco. That will help us.
0: Yeah? I mean, you think, I think, you think it's over?
1: I think it's over. Um, I think we saw flashes of what he could do at the beginning of the season. That cameo against Fulham filled many of us with a lot of hope. Um, there are a couple of games in a row. I actually think he's a decent player. Um, I don't think he's built for the Premier League. Um, I think we bought him young. Um, I think think he's a player who would have benefited from going to a Brighton, a Brentford, a West Ham for a year and then coming to Arsenal. Because I think he's got the ability to play for Arsenal. But I just think he needs to get into the rhythm. He needs to get used to the Premier League. He needs to get a run of games. He needs all of that sort of stuff. So I can't see it happening for him at Arsenal, especially as we need to step up. We don't have Do you time. think the
0: half season, hype hype? We went too early.
1: Um. I, yeah. We went. We went. We went. I mean, we we got a couple of decent performances. So, the best thing for me. Um. Could he? Could he do a Reese Nelson? Like, could he have that level of impact? I a, a spectacular late winner that wins us the points in a title race that will never be forgotten. I think that's what or a, a crucial goal in the running. That's that's where we're looking at with Fabio Vieira for me.
0: Poor Fabio. Yeah, I I'm I'm struggling to see what he offers us. I mean, he was he was brought in and the main appeal was this guy is just pure um final ball output, whether it's a goal or, or an assist. I mean, he's real, was incredible. I think he was up there with Messi um in his sort of final season with Porto for that that half season run. It was an exceptional run. He hasn't been able to replicate it. Um and I, I don't know who he's better than at the moment. But it, it, what will be interesting, Matt, is if he comes back in the next three weeks and relegates Smith Rowe, is his game over for poor Smith Rowe because uh, he will be the favoured one, right?
1: He will be. He will be. I think Smith Rowe needs to keep. I think if yeah, that's and that's a sad thought because let's be honest, if we had a five pound bet and we had to bet on whether Smith Rowe or Vieira is going to get minutes. You put the money. you you, you uh, All going on Vieira. It's all going on Vieira. So yeah.
0: Vieira was a Arteta signing. That was that was his one. That's why he put so much faith in him. So it's going to be interesting to see what what they've got. Kukum he ended up. He's, he's
1: ended up being a bit more Denilson than David Silva.
0: Yeah, he de- he just he, he doesn't look like he's got the attention span for it. You know, he never never quite seems in the right place. Not following I instructions. Know. I think he's got the. T-
1: I think he's got the touch. I think he's got the passing. I think he's got the ability. I think he's committed I think it's the wrong time I think I just think he's a player who needs minutes I think he like you know if I think if he'd come into the team the same time as Martinelli and Saka as a talented player who can pass the ball and is allowed to just sort of grow with the team for a year or two and make some mistakes and have some moments I think he would be one of our best players I think he, he has the potential to go and do it but I just think it's so—you've got to be so good to come in with 20 minutes and make it happen. And I think he showed that even he showed he can do that occasionally. But um, he's a player that Brighton should have signed.
0: If uh, Brighton had signed him, there'd be comps all over the place about this unbelievable and talent. He did have BVL. a good
1: start, you know that penalty he yeah. scored in the community shield.
0: Some right. nice goals as well. I'm trying to
1: get—I'm trying to get myself a little bit more excited. Maybe he can. Come on.
0: Good. Like a new signing, say but it. But we
1: need we need him to be a Chris Ray. We need him to be a Jules Grimondi. We need him to be a, a Louis Morte. You know, we need him to be one of those players who can come in and score a crucial goal in the running because we're going to need those. Agreed. We've got to be right. faultless, and we need and we need stuff to happen.
0: Let's move on to a story with a little bit more positivity, Matt. Thomas Partey is all over Arsenal Twitter at the moment. Going to go out. Thomas Partey appears. He looks fit. He looks ready. Everybody's hyped about him. He could be in the squad, uh, pending no Thomas Partey natural disasters. Uh, Matt Thomas Partey—that is like a new signing. Let's talk about him. What can he add in the near term? Are, are, are we putting too many, uh, you know, too much on him contributing to that Liverpool game? Or do you think, listen, this guy's been out. He's hungry. He's got to get that Saudi money in the summer they didn't want to offer him what he wanted earlier on in the season do you think this is going
1: to be a miracle run did you hear my uh podcast for jacob this was my hottest of takes um all about thomas party i think that party erdegaard and rice wins the champions league oh i like that i I think thomas party this time last year this time last year this time last year we are beating manchester united uh then we were going, to, we'd beaten Spurs away, and everyone was saying Thomas Pye is better than Rodri and is the best best midfielder in the Premier League. Just a year ago, just 12 months ago. We've missed him half the season. The difference is going to be insane when we are able to add him if he can stay fit for the season. Uh, all the predictors, you look to the past. he plays 20 games a season. Comfort, you know, he's only got to play 20 games. 15 even will take, you know, wrap him up in cotton wool, get him ready for the games. He's also going to make everyone else better because they can get a rest. So it's just unbelievable news. Um, hopefully he can play. Um, I mean, I would start him against the Forest because I'm just like, we just get him off on 60. But like, give him... Like
0: good against Forest last time because we played him, him right back.
1: Give him a game because he... And then so he's ready to start against Liverpool because we need him against Liverpool.
0: I think Arteta said at the start of the season that unpredictability was one of the key things that he was looking for from his team. And he hasn't really been able to unleash it because Partey has been injured and Timber's been injured. But having a player of that level in our midfield, it allows Declan to go forward. It allows an unbelievably powerful double pivot. Um, we can play him at right back if we're really feeling that frisky. I don't, re- I don't, I don't want to see him playing in positions where he has to sprint like that. But what a lift he's going to be for the team. I just, I just hope. I feel like he deserves as a player. He just deserves a good run. Like he, he's going to get sold in the summer. I don't have any doubts about that. But just give us a little bit of what we were hoping for when he signed three or four years ago. Because I don't think we've got it. He's kind of been a bit Abu Dhabi ish, right? A lot of promise. N- I think he's been a lot a of bad. output, more output. That's unfair. That, that's that's unfair. But also it would be nice if he sign up. I mean,
1: he can score for goals. He can score goals. There was that little move we used to do where you get the cut back, and he's scored a peach against Spurs at home. Hit the bar against Spurs away. I think it's just you know he's just going to bring a lot. So um, keep him fit. Liverpool game is a big test. You we have Thomas Partey, the games like Liverpool go and dominate. Go and do your little thing. Go and do that little body movement. Take someone out of the game. Turn so the opposition attacking into turn the game into transition. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about having him back. He's probably I, I'd say everything rests on him. I like without him I, like without him, I don't think we get it done. Anything.
0: But think about this, Matt. Within six weeks, pending no disasters, Tomiyasu will come back at latest for the Burnley game, which is around, I don't know, the 17th of February. Timber will hopefully return within the first two weeks of April after the international break. Fabio Vieira will be back within three weeks and we'll have Thomas Park in the team. That really does give us a lot of options that we haven't had all season. Like We could be coming into um, peak optionality heading into the most serious part of the season. We don't have any cut games to worry about. I mean, I'm I'm watching Chelsea, Aston Villa drawing and having to go into another leggy game. Um, I'm watching Manchester city play Spurs and it's another sort of end to end leggy game. We don't have any of that to worry about. So our squad is getting fuller. Uh, We've got more options to rotate and these are good players coming back into the mix. Like, this, this feels like a, a big positive for a run I mean if if we can't make it, well, i mean the title Liverpool, race, what's playing going on? Every,
1: Liverpool have been playing every three days for a month yeah and that, they've wanted to have an impact right they've, they've won every one of them so they're building confidence and they're on a roll but i think the moment they lose
0: building confidence or sustaining fumes
1: yeah good question i think i think it's I think it's dead building confidence but I think the moment they lose all those games will catch up with them and I think the day that they've got to lose is next weekend against us. And I yeah, think I don't
0: really want them losing against Chelsea on Wednesday. I, don't uh, wanna, I mean, I, don't I want do. to see a reaction. I do.
1: I don't think it works like that. I think it would be great for Chelsea to get a result in the midweek and then have to then play three days later. Suddenly, all the games are catching up with you. Suddenly, it's an Arsenal win, and we're game in hand. We go top. You know. Exactly I think it does work
0: like that a little bit with the top teams, though, Matt. Like top teams don't tend to lose two on the bounce. There's always a reaction after. Uh,
1: well, I'd say this season, City, it was sort of three game run of, of, of dropping points. Arsenal, three game run of dropping points. Maybe that's changing. Maybe that idea. I think. I think it's. I think confidence is so crucial in the way that team these teams play that at the moment it just takes a little dampener and you lose a percent or two. So I don't team. think they're going to lose to Chelsea, by the way.
0: Team Mudrick against Chelsea.
1: I mean, a point, a two-all, a wild two-all. I can see that. I just a want a leggy all. game now. I
0: just want a leggy game. All right, let's, uh, let's take on our final topic of the evening, Premier League odds. Um, I wasn't on the show to talk with you and Jacob about um, Klopp's exit, but... I did want to draw a bit of attention to some of the ESPN mid-game commentary. They went to speak to the Touchline reporter and he said the atmosphere is very strange in the stadium. The fans don't really know what they're supposed to be doing off the back of this news. They were always going to absolutely pummel Norwich. But I wanted to get your take because I've seen some of your tweets, Matt. Um, What do you think about this sort of romantic idea that Liverpool are going to be galvanised by Klopp leaving. And have you seen situations like this in business where charismatic leaders leave and it's a bit of a nightmare um, for the run-in? Like What do, what do you make of um, Klopp exiting and um, do you think that any impact will happen by the time Arsenal play them?
1: I've never seen anyone galvanised by one of their greatest ever Leaders leaving. Never in my life. Um, I think it, it will inherently selfish to an extent. So everyone's gonna be going, what does it mean for me? Uh there's gonna be a lot of change happening, how's it gonna shake out? Um I like that the best players go, I like the guy. What what do I want to do now? Do I want to work with someone else? Who is it? Have I worked with them before? Did they like me before? Do they still fancy me as a player? What does it mean? I've got a contract renewal coming up, you know. Um anyone who is a professional spends you know but it also has many other things in their life their family uh, they want to earn the right amount of money they want to live in the right place all of those sorts of things so the idea that, that it's going to galvanize the team i think is nonsense i just don't think it works like that because i think then you go and just go you you, you look at everything through like an emotional lens so i could say well it's 20 years since we won the league. Twenty years. I mean, isn't that fitting, right? Twenty years. It's more likely to happen twenty years on than nineteen years or twenty-one years. It's just it feels poetry that it should happen. Or it's this player's last year. It's the last year we left Highbury. Surely we should win the league because it's, wouldn't it be great to lift the league on the, first, the, the final day at Highbury Stadium? Wouldn't that be perfect? It doesn't work like that. It's football. It's it's not just you know. There's, there's 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 all these clubs in the Premier League and only one of them gets to win it. Um, so I don't think it's going to galvanise them. But I do think that there's strong second favourites for the league. Manchester City, clear favourites. Uh, Liverpool, second favourites. They're five points clear. They've got four world-class players and they know how to do it. They've won it before and they've got a great coach. And I think we're outsiders. We're the, we're the third favourites. Um, and we've got it all to do because we lost four games in the first half of the season. We had a dreadful December. We can't lose four games in the first half of the season we expect to be better than the third favourites. So um, do I think they've got a better chance of winning the league than us? Yes. Do I think that they will be galvanised by the clock news? I think it's a net negative.
0: OK, well, I'm going to say I would agree with the sentiment of where you're going with Liverpool being second favorites for the league based on all the form that we've seen so far. Post the announcement, I'm not with you. I'm not with you. I don't if if it is a net negative to lose Klopp and self-interest is gonna take over, I think that affects every level of the club. Some things that we know, Liverpool are trying to sell, right? That's that's part of the reason that Klopp is you know Klopp is assessing what's going on. He's got four world class players. He's got four of the greatest ever players Liverpool have had, and he's going to have to replace them at some point. The money's not going to be there. Even if you had three three hundred million to replace those players, Matt, I I still think it's uh, there's not a high chance of you replacing at that level, right? You're not not that you can have one hundred and twenty million, and you can spend it on a winger, and they get ten goals a season. Like replacing Mo Salah is an impossibility. Replacing that goalkeeper, it's an impossibility. So Klopp knows that the rebuild's going to be tough. The money's not going to be there. And he's got a lot of players heading into their 30s that are are, are the key guys, the XG monsters, as as we've been calling them. And I just think that at the very top level, when you've got your big dogs, they're going to be like, well, I like playing under Klopp. Klopp is my guy. And heading into my 30s, do I want to be listening to Javi Alonso? I don't. We're, we're, we're kind of in the same sort of age group. Players that don't really like the manager, and there's always those players, they're like, well, it doesn't really matter what you say because you're not going to be here next year. Then you've got a coaching staff that he's announced to. Coaching staff aren't going to stay there. And coaching staff don't tend to earn multi-million dollars where they can sit around and do nothing. They have to find their next job. So even if they're focused on what they're doing, their heads are going to be elsewhere. So the coaching staff are either looking for new jobs or politicking to try and get a new position in the next generation of the club. And the biggest problem, and this was, you know, I refer back to the Meza Ozil era where Arteta like pushed him to one side. You can't see him, but he's the news story every week. I read an article in The Athletic at the weekend. Eight coaches are being linked to that job the conversation in those clock press conferences are either going to be around what's next or every bad result is going to be, do you think that this is because you're leaving? Do you think this is because you're leaving? And people say that he's a galvanizing figure. There is no more galvanizing figure that has ever been part of the game than Sir Alex Ferguson. And he had to cancel his retirement because his players just went completely off the board. If Alex Ferguson can't do it in a two-team era, What's the chances of Klopp being able to do it? A higher, a higher level, more competition, more pressure, more media, more social media. I don't, uh, I don't see how how they finish above us now. That's my hope, anyway. I, I, I always add a little bit of hope into into this equation. Klopp is generational. Did want to big, say them? The biggest
1: thing for me about Liverpool is that they're playing so many games. And remember that year, they're the best team in the world. Lost in the final of the Champions League. Lost to Manchester City by a point. Won the league cup, won the FA Cup, and I think that, and that was with a far superior team to what they've got now. And that was the Mane, Firmino, Salah era. And so I think they're trying to think they've got one more year in them. I think they think they're a heavyweight boxer who's just got one, one can slug it out for one more year. But being in all these games, the league cup, the FA Cup, I think they could. I think I think they'll win the league cup. League cup,
0: always. And I
1: think, I think they could win the FA Cup. But I think all that volume of games is going to catch up with them, and I think that's when we pounce. And I think they just remind me of Arsenal last year—the late winners, the emotion, all of that sort of stuff—makes me laugh. I think it was, it was, it was, it was Clive on the Arsenal Vision saying uh, on, uh, on on Twitter, you know, this is going to galvanise the Liverpool to core a team built on emotion. And I'm like, our manager literally looked and analysed last season, and his entire outtake that he's built his whole thesis of what he's doing with his Arsenal team is control over emotion. And I think that's a really telling point. And I think we can't look elsewhere. And I think it just shows how you judge yourself versus others and go, I think their emotion is going to get them over the line. I think it's identical to us. They just remind me of us. It's a surprise they're there. It's brilliant to watch. It's really exciting. They're vulnerable at the back. They've got a ton of momentum. They've had a great start but there's always this sense that it could all come tumbling down because the foundations it's built on lack some control and i think that's what we're going to see what i don't think we're, i that... don't think but i don't think we're going to see it until april i think it and will i come think late, yeah and i and i think that's going to be the bit because let's not forget we finished march Odds-on favourites, we are going to make it. You know, we were selling sick tickets for on sale for the last game, of, home game of the season, for twenty thousand pounds. We are going to win the league, and then we didn't win a game in April. And so, you know, I think it's going to happen late. I think we're going to be talking about Liverpool for a while. But come April, when we've got our depth back, we've got our control. Um, we haven't got had all those cup games. We haven't had all those minutes. We've got younger players who hopefully haven't got injured at the crucial moments. Like their thirty-one-year-olds may have have done a lot of traveling I think that's when that's that's the moment and it's a bit like a marathon and I've been saying this all season stay in contention until April the first and then the title race starts last year finished them.
0: yeah great leadership is built on stability and consequence and when you say that you're leaving there's no stability and there can be no consequences past five months so I, I struggle to see how he's gonna how he's going to keep it all together um, over the next few months. I did want to get, um, I did want to get your take on a broader question with this: Klopp versus Pep. You know, it's the it's the Wenger versus Ferguson of, of our era. How would you stack the two when putting them together? Like, who would who who would you say is the greatest? And I know that there is the trophy argument, obviously, but there's also the resources argument. And uh, like the context of that, like, what, how would you stack uh, Klopp in the
1: pantheon of greats? I think, I think, Pep- I think Klopp is great. For me, if you ask me, do I, who do I prefer to watch, Liverpool or City? I prefer to watch Liverpool. Um, I think Liverpool are so fun to watch as a team. I think they're they're brilliant. Um, and to be honest, I sort of hoped that Arteta would take a hybrid of the two. Um, and it felt like we were going on that journey and he sort of course corrected and he very much Pep's disciple. Um, but even though Klopp, I prefer his personality. I like his leadership style. There's um, so much to admire. He's done an incredible job. He obviously did the rebuild. Um, I still think Pep's a better manager. I think Pep is more visionary. Um, I think... Klopp is almost like one of those bands that you fall in love with. He's sort of like a, Klopp is a bit like a sort of a block party or an Arctic monkeys in that they're just brilliant, but they've got that sort of rawness. And are they completely timeless? Did they change the game? They didn't really change the game. They were just great. Whereas I think Pep is one of those, uh, one of those bands that created a completely new sound. They invented a completely new genre uh and i think for that he is number one
0: oh, matt that's very poetic very poetic I, <laughs> I you know i i i was writing about this on the grove and i was like this this is uh, very much one last job for the boys uh and the the cliche of one last job for the boys is it's normally not a very good job and it's normally not wise to to go in for that so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few months because you have got the romanticists you got your, you know, your clients from Arsenal Vision. He thinks that emotion is going to carry the day, and then you got the realists. And I, I just don't see past the, um, the reality coming through. If if, if he gets uh, two cups and gets to do a victory lap with those two cups, I think that's absolutely fantastic, and he deserves that. Um, and I hope that he that they beat Chelsea in in the League Cup because they don't deserve a trophy. But going to be interesting, interesting times. All right, Matt, that takes us to the end of the Monday debrief. Um. I like doing these podcasts, Matt. It's so nice; it feels more conversational, more fun. You muted yourself. Mute Candela. Oh, what last minute. Oh
1: God, come on,
0: dear, oh dear, like a
1: foul throw.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah, it's good doing it on a Sunday. I guess everyone's set up. We've got a big, 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 big week. We've got to deal with Forest. We've got to get Thomas some legs into some minutes into Thomas Party's legs, and then it's. All focus on liverpool hopefully they can draw points at chelsea cheering on chelsea this week and then the big one on sunday you know i'm excited already i'm glad, what, what I'm glad you about? Part of
0: these games I, I i dreaded these games for five six seven years now i'm looking forward to them i think we can turn them over Matt.
1: the only, only fear and i don't i think we've had got so few games it just can't be a fear is don't underestimate forest because the liverpool game becomes irrelevant if you lose to Forest.
0: Target Matty Turner. I'm sorry to say it. you got to target Matty Turner. He did not look good in that Brentford game. He looked like a, a deer caught in headlights. So uh, fingers crossed, but we're going to do it before the whistle uh, tomorrow. So if you like uh, like this content, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. It's $5 a month. And remember, leave us a little five-star review and sign up to every single one of our sponsors because you know that helps us uh, fund this podcast on the day to day, all right, Matt. Um, unless you've got anything else to add,
1: it's all good. We'll uh see everyone tomorrow, all well, the patrons, anyway. So if you're not haven't signed up, sign yeah. up,
0: get on no it. Excuses. We'll no on excuses,
1: the...
0: no excuses. Sign up, and we'll be live after the game, taking all of your questions during the game. It's going to be super fun. Uh, so on that note, I'm going to say ciao for now. Ciao for now. Ciao for now. Ciao.
1: Podcast Network.